Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. narcissist a lot. What's a narcissist? It's someone who is self-consumed, totally bent on maintaining the control and power that he has. Well, if ever there was a narcissist, it was Herod the Great. Herod, the one who was king when Jesus was born. Well, when Herod the Great was about 70 years old, dying from uh, what we think was intestinal cancer, he was visited by some dignitaries from the east, wise men, the magi. And what was it they wanted? They wanted to know where the king of the Jews was born. What would it be like for a narcissist like Herod to have that kind of request? Tell us where the king has been born when he himself thought he was the king. Well, the monologue that I'm going to present here in a few moments was written by Dr. John Reed. He was a professor of mine at Dallas Seminary. John's now with the Lord, and he has written many of these kinds of monologues, and it's been my privilege to present them to you several times. What was Herod like? Herod was someone like all of us could have been. When Jesus Christ came, it infuriated Herod because Herod was bent on keeping his power, on maintaining his control. The lesson that we're going to learn from Herod today is a negative one, but it actually paints a picture of what we all could be like if we were to live without acknowledging Jesus Christ as king. This is Herod the Great. Antipas, and Antipas. Yes, you sit right there. Ah, oh, Antipas, my boy. A fine boy. Antipas, soon you will see how your father handles another one of these so-called Jewish messiahs. Sometime today... Not long, I suspect. We will have those so-called wise men back here in this room. And they will tell me where that baby has been born. The exact location. Oh. And then I will have some soldiers escort them out of our country back to their homeland. And I'm going to send a squad of soldiers to escort that baby out of this world. Of course I mean to kill him. Antipas, I I know it will cause an uproar. The entire city of Jerusalem has been on edge since those Orientals arrived. Everyone is expecting me to act. 
I will not disappoint them. Everyone will be happier to have all of this mess behind them. Antipas, did I, did I tell you that while I entertained them with a lavish dinner, I had my soldiers distract their servants and we searched their possessions. We found gifts fit for a king, all right. There was some gold and frankincense, even some myrrh. They, they were all ready for presentation in these ornate jeweled boxes. Uh, they were gifts fit for a king, all right. I suppose by now they've made their little presentation. Oh, what a scene that would have been. We'll let the baby keep them for today. His parents, I will find out who they are. They can treasure them. But soon, Antipas, they will be right here at my feet. I know what, <laughs> Antipas, we will have our own little presentation. <laughs> you will present them to me because I am the king of the Jews. And while I'm alive, there will be no other king. When I'm dead, then you'll be king. But I'm not dead yet. Yes, the pain grows every day, and I suspect I'm weaker. But Antipas, I am still the king. Oh. Antipas, do you know how I felt when those barbarians came in here yesterday all dressed in their exotic costumes? Where's the king of the Jews? Could they not see that they were standing before the king of the Jews? It's the most humiliating thing I have ever endured. Antipas, it is a good thing that I have more restraint than my father. He would have had their heads in a moment. But you see, I didn't do that. Well, I'm not interested in a dispute with the Eastern Kingdoms. But had I done that, I would have never found out the exact location of the baby. And boy, what a dispute that would have been with the Eastern Kingdoms. These Jews, they are enough for any man to handle. They call themselves God's people. They are a godless people, son. A godless people. They're always disputing and bickering and fussing over some detail of their law. Antipas, I want you to listen carefully. 
someday you will be king and you most certainly will face similar situations. You need to know how how I handled this one. They came in here yesterday and they asked, (coughs) they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Goodness. Well, let me tell you, I played the part of this kindly old man. Played it quite well, I might say. (laughs) Oh. I asked them what it was they wanted to know, and they said, We want to know the exact location of this baby. And so I, I proceeded to tell them how I too was a religious man. Oh, I, I lingered over these stories of how I love to gaze at the stars to see what they mean. I said, if such a personage was born in my kingdom, I would want to know so that I could go and worship him as well. I assured them that I would do all that I could to find this baby Messiah. And so I sent runners for the chief priest and the scribes. Antipas. My son, there floats in the popular imagination this idea of an ideal king who will overthrow Rome and establish the kingdom of God. They told me that when they saw the stars, the entire Orient was enamored with its appearance. It was Jews. It was Jews, I tell you, who told them to go to Jerusalem because there was going to be a king arise out of the house of David. And it would be he who would overthrow the Romans and he who established the kingdom of God. (sighs) Antipas, this baby, we have to deal with it. Caesar Augustus, he will be very pleased at how quickly I snuffed this rebellion out. I know he's only a baby, son. But babies grow up. People are always looking for someone to rally around. I mean, Antipas, it seems like only yesterday you were an infant. And my son, do do not forget your half-brothers, Alexander and Aristopolis. I mean, when they became young men, they wanted to become king. Oh, such handsome men they were. 
They had the looks of their mother, Mary Emery. But they were fools. I had to send them to the executioner. They, they would have stopped at nothing short of insurrection. Antipas. There is always someone who is after your throne. And my son, it is those that are closest to you that you need to be suspicious of. I, I would have never dreamed that Mary Amory would have conspired against me. I don't believe she ever forgave me for dethroning her grandfather and sending him to the executioner. What a beautiful woman she was. I loved her. I love her still. I miss her. But she too, she had to go. There was no end to the conspiracies that would flow from her. I do often wonder if perhaps, perhaps if I had executed her mother first, perhaps then she would have listened to reason. Well, they're all gone now. Antipas, this baby, we have to deal with it. Antipas, I would not be the least surprised if someday you, as king, will have to snuff out the entire line of David. It might be the only way to guarantee the Herodian lines of king. I was telling you about the wise men. Yes. Antipas, the chief priest and the scribes came in and they were all united in their opinion that Messiah was going, this Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, oh, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, oh my goodness, they, they had found some obscure text from some ancient prophet, I even, I even asked one of the scribes to read it to us, oh, it went something like this. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou by little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth he it is who is going to be ruler of your people. Oh, those magi were so impressed. No wonder they never acknowledged my existence. And you know, Antipas, I noticed 
that not one of those scribes or priests was the least bit interested in going with them on that irrational quest. But you see, that that just played into my hand all the more. I dismissed the chief priests and scribes, and I asked for a private moment with the wise man. I, I, I ascertained from them when they saw the star. It had been many months, nearly a year. Oh, it took them months to make arrangements for their trip, and long as it was, it took them a long time to get here. And so I said to them, Go to Bethlehem and make a careful search for this king. And when you have found him, come and report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Antipas, that was yesterday. They will be back here soon. There has been something I've been wondering about all day, though. I know the Orientals are religious, but why would they want to worship a king? A baby king, no less. It's almost as if they think he is some sort of god. (laughs) There's a new thought. A baby king who is God. (laughs) Oh, Antipas, it is not that I wouldn't love to be adored by my people. But it won't ever happen. It won't happen to you either, son. (laughs) What a sweet satisfying thought to be worshipped, worshipped and adored. I understand that Caesar Augustus is even interested in the idea himself. Oh, Antipas, where are they? Antipas, It hurts all the time. Every day. Every day it hurts. Yes, perhaps the doctor would help. No, you drink some first. How do I know that someone hasn't paid you to poison me? Okay, now set it there. If you're still alive in an hour, I'll drink some. Where are they, Antipas? I thought about having them followed, but I thought that might raise suspicion. No, I, I, son, I played it well. I had them fooled. 
Get that gleam out of your eyes. I'm not dead yet. <sighs> Antipas. A runner just came in. He has information. I want to hear it straight from him. Yes. You have news about the wise men. Yes. Let's have it. <coughs> Antipas, are you hearing this? This is madness. This is madness, I say. The Most High God told them to go another way that they did not have time to keep their promise to me. Antipas, this is what we are going to do. We are going to send a squad of soldiers after them. They will find them. They will torture them. And they will find out where that baby has been born. And then I want them killed. Killed, you say? No, wait. Caesar would never understand such harsh treatment of men of state. What do I do? What do I do? Okay, captain. I want you to gather a select group. And I want you to go to Bethlehem. And I want you to kill every baby boy a year under. No, those barbarians lie. Two years old and under. Yes, kill them. You do not need an excuse. I have said, and that is reason enough, you let one escape, it will be your head. Antipas! Antipas! What is worse, my son? A couple dozen baby boys? Or to plunge this entire kingdom into rebellion? They call for Messiah. Do you know what Messiah means? It means insurrection. It's violence. It's blood and it's death. Antipas, for 30 years, I have maintained the peace. I have controlled this area. You have to do hard things if you are going to control an area like this. These Jews are always plunging themselves into chaos. Antipas. I've got to go lay down, my son. Oh, Antipas. Antipas, it's always the same, my son. Who will arise tomorrow and try to wrestle away my kingdom? 
I'll tell you what. You will find that I am the king. I am the king of the Jews. You know, Herod was not unique. Herod was just in a long line of others that Satan empowered to try to kill off the Christ. Cain and Abel, the mighty men of Genesis 6, Pharaoh killing the babies in Egypt, and the story of Esther, Haman, little Antipas, he grew up became Herod Antipas, and along with Pilate, he finally succeeded in killing the Christ. But we know what that did. That just made it so that God could accomplish our salvation. But, you know, we can learn so much from Herod. Herod Herod was someone who wanted to be king wanted to maintain control at all cost. But can you imagine what would have happened in Herod's life as an old man, a dying old man? What would have happened had he received the news that Messiah was born and he in faith trusted him? Obviously, it wouldn't have changed God's plans. Christ still had a mission that he was ultimately going to accomplish. But it would have changed Herod's eternal destiny. But Herod didn't get that because Herod never was willing to surrender to the king. Have you surrendered to the king? Have you come to the place in your life when you have recognized that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, came to provide your salvation and ultimately establish the kingdom of God? We're religious people. We do religious things like come to church and observe Christmas, maybe even sing some spiritual Christmas songs. But the truth of the matter is, Have we trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Because Jesus Christ came to deliver us from our sins and ultimately establish the kingdom of God because he is the king. But you know, there's something else that I think Herod teaches us for those of us that have accepted Jesus as king. I imagine that most of us here We can look back and we can say, I have trusted Christ. He is my Savior. He is my King. But the question that every one of us wakes up with is, is he the King today? Will he be the King today? Now, we may not be like Cain killing Abel or Haman killing the Jews in Esther or Herod trying to kill the babies of Bethlehem or Herod Antipas finally succeeding and helping send Jesus to the cross. But in a way, every one of us, just because we're human, because we're sinful, because we're totally depraved, every one of us, even though we've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and as King, 
Every one of us, every day, face the question, is he going to be my king today? Who am I going to live for? See, there is someone that's trying to wrestle away your kingdom. It's God. It's Jesus Christ. And every day, Jesus Christ is offering to be the king. And you know what the benefit of that is? There's a lot of them. But I think one of the things Herod illustrates for us is that Herod illustrates that God wants to be our king. Jesus Christ not only wants to save us so that we can have eternal life with him, he wants to save us from being the worst version of ourselves. Now, none of us might never get to be that much of a narcissist, that self-controlling, that egotistical, that horrible of a person that would make those kinds of deranged decisions. But you know what? When I'm not living with Jesus Christ as king, when you're not living with Jesus Christ as king, you are a worse version of yourself. What's the lesson you can take away from Herod if you're a believer? Today and every day, you need to live in light of the fact that the baby that was born in that little stable is king, and he's king of your life. And the question is, are you going to be a wise man and go seek him? Give him gifts, offer your best? Are you going to be Herod and so totally put out and try to squash his reign in your life? It's a moment-by-moment decision that every one of us makes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the truth of your word when it shows us just how awful we really can be. Father, I pray that today, even we who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, as our King, I pray, Father, that today we would have a picture of just how awful we could be, how sinful we could be when we do not accept Christ as King each and every day. Father, we do not want to be those kind of people. We want to be great models of what it means to follow Jesus Christ and to make him our king. And so in a great way, Father, we ask your help today to not be Herod, but to instead be wise. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.